You are listening to the Science and Soul of Living Well, where we highlight evidence-based tools from psychological science and complementary and alternative medicine to help us all cultivate resilience and live with more meaning, purpose, and alignment with personal values, even in the most stressful and darkest of times. I'm Melissa Mingfoynes, your host, and I am also a clinical psychologist and educator, trauma-informed mindfulness meditation and yoga teacher, and Ayurvedic doula. Thank you all so much for joining me for this week's podcast focused on envy. I wanted to talk about envy this week because envy is such a common emotion and yet it isn't something that we often talk about. We often don't brag about our envy because it can induce a real sense of shame. We can feel very embarrassed by our envy. We can judge ourselves for our envy. We can see it as a really quote-unquote ugly or primitive emotion when the reality is that envy is just like any other emotion. It does serve an important purpose and function in our lives, but in order to support that function, we do need to respond to it in an effective way. So in today's episode, we'll begin by talking a bit about the science of envy and the ways in which envy can both cause problems in our lives and serve us in helpful ways in our lives. And then we'll transition into talking about some key principles to keep in mind when we are working with envy in our lives so that it doesn't dominate our experience. So to take a step back, I think it's important to consider what envy is. So of course, there are all sorts of psychological and philosophical definitions of envy, and the one that I am going to focus on here today is just one of many. And in psychology, one way in which envy is often operationalized or defined is in two different categories, malicious envy and benign envy. And for those of you who know me, I don't tend to think in black and white or binary terms, or at least I strive not to, since that is something that is very conditioned by our culture. So I am going against that by presenting a binary here, but I do think it is a useful conceptualization nonetheless. So malicious envy is the kind of envy that makes us feel ill will towards another person or situation, whereas benign envy is the kind of envy that motivates us to go out and achieve our own goals. So if you think about malicious envy, this is a kind of envy that can feel extremely frustrating. That sort of, I'm so envious, I want to scream kind of feeling. Whereas benign envy is often associated with more inspirational kinds of feelings, more pleasantness, more motivation. Perhaps even it precipitates urges to compliment someone else or recommit to our goals and double down on our efforts to work on our goals. And the kinds of things that we can envy, of course, very considerably. So some of the most common sources of envy that I hear about in my work include money or financial stability, 
appearance. This could be weight, shape, someone's sort of gestalt appearance, different forms of success, a sense of belonging or certain types or kinds of relationships can feel enviable, praise, the extent to which someone is getting attention or affirmation, status, different ways in which people are appreciated and recognized for their accomplishments, for instance. And then physical needs. So the extent to which someone may have accessible food, shelter, some sense of physical safety and security. And then of course support. And this could be different kinds of support. It could be more emotional support, more comfort, more validation and it could also be more tangible kinds of support like child care or financial support that allows people to work less and have time for other kinds of hobbies. So of course this is not a comprehensive list and there are all sorts of other ways in which we can envy other people. There are other sources of envy in our lives but these are the ones that I hear about the most. So in keeping with my value of not operating in a binary way, I think it can be helpful to think about benign and malicious envy as a spectrum and not as mutually exclusive. So there might be envy showing up in your life that has components of both benign and malicious envy to varying degrees. And I think we can probably all appreciate the ways in which this more benign envy can be beneficial. It can serve us to be more motivated, to be more goal-oriented. And I think we can probably also appreciate how malicious envy can have its downsides. And some of the biggest problems that I see envy causing in my own life and the lives of other people with whom I work involve a narrowing of attention, rumination, and an external focus that gets prioritized over an internal one. So let me talk a little bit more about what I mean by each of these. So by narrowing of attention, I mean an envy that is so strong that we become overly fixated on what other people have that we don't, so much so that we can begin to discount what we do have and underappreciate things that we have in our lives or things that other people do for us. Rumination often involves thinking about something in a perseverative way, so not being able to let go of it, coming back to it again and again in a way that is very dominant in our thinking. Sort of like whenever we have a moment of spaciousness, we kind of return to that emotion or that thought. And ruminating on what other people have that we don't and ruminating about what we don't have can lead to a lot of negative outcomes. So there is research that shows that rumination can be associated with symptoms of depression. Rumination can also be associated with what's called a negativity bias, where we overly fixate on what is negative or what isn't going well at the exclusion of internalizing and appreciating and digesting the positive. Envy can also prompt us or compel us to focus more on other people and external factors outside of ourselves rather than go inward 
or focus on our internal experience. So for example, if I'm very envious of the success of someone else, I might spend a lot of time and mental energy thinking through what they have done to achieve their success. I might be scrolling through their Instagram feed in a way that doesn't necessarily help me feel better about myself. It actually makes me or contributes to me feeling worse. And it deprives me of the opportunity to really go inward and figure out why this envy might be showing up so that I can learn from what envy is here to teach me. And with such an outward focus, that more inner understanding, that inner learning becomes quite challenging. This outward focus also can lead to feelings of disempowerment and lead me to externalize my locus of control. And what I mean by that is I might not treat myself as capable and autonomous. I might also start to feel a sense of helplessness about my ability to make changes in my life. So as you can see, there are all sorts of costs to envy. And while I do think that some of these may feel very intuitive and not that profound, I do think it's important to remind ourselves of the costs that envy has because awareness of those costs can give us a bit of an incentive to work with envy in an effective way as opposed to kind of letting it lie or even making efforts to suppress it or avoid it or not acknowledge to ourselves that it's present and that it's showing up. So before we talk a little bit more about those aspects of this process, what it means to work with envy, some key principles to keep in mind, I want to spend some time talking about the science behind envy and what we know about envy from a scientific perspective. So anecdotally, if you think back on a time where you felt envious of another person or situation, I imagine that on some level you can identify some kernel of pain that was associated with that envy. And that kind of pain can be both emotional and physical, which is one reason why we push it away, because this wave of envy can be very strong. And from a neurophysiological perspective, the emotional and physical pain involved with envy has a scientific basis. Research shows that when we visualize scenarios, when someone similar to us is doing better than we are, so essentially visualizing envy evoking kinds of scenarios, there is greater activation in an area of the brain called the anterior cingulate cortex. And that increased activation corresponds really highly with self-reported feelings of envy. So essentially, if someone asks me on a scale of 0 to 10, how envious do I feel? My rating on that scale corresponds very highly to the level of brain activation in this region that is noted in the functional magnetic resonance imaging scans. The interesting thing about the anterior cingulate cortex is that activation in this brain area is 
pertinent for other kinds of emotional pain, like when we feel socially excluded or when we have empathic pain and someone that we love is suffering in some kind of way, and for physical pain. So the mechanisms neurologically by which we experience emotional pain are literally the same mechanisms as the ones by which we experience physical pain. So envy literally hurts. And the situation is similar for reward. So physical reward, like the experience of really savoring something very delicious or intense sexual pleasure, those kinds of physical rewards, so to speak, activate the same systems in the brain as the pleasure we experience from accomplishment or hobbies, so more of an emotional kind of pleasure. So I think that this understanding of how envy operates on a neurophysiological level is really important because it can validate that this is a real pain. And this is one reason why we as human beings push away envy and don't talk about it and often don't see it as a valid source of information worth listening to and learning from because it creates such profound emotional and physical pain at times. And I think it's also important to remember that this is true for all human brains. That these neurophysiological substrates and mechanisms are active for all of us. And so there is a shared human experience here. If you experience envy, you are human. And if someone says they don't experience envy, I don't buy that. Because this is part of the human experience, both in terms of our socialization and the kind of culture that we live in that tends to emphasize competition and also is something that we can observe in brain scans and physiologically. So with all of that being said, how do we learn from envy? How do we treat envy as our teacher? How do we respond when it shows up that can help support our ability to learn from envy? So there are lots of key principles to keep in mind and I want to highlight a subset of them today. So the first is building off of the point I made a few moments ago, which is that envy is a shared human experience. It is evolutionarily adaptive and hardwired. We all experience. We, lit, we all experience it. We live in a competitive culture that fosters a scarcity mindset. This idea that there is not enough to go around. So if you have something, that means I can't have it or won't have it. Or that there's a sort of limited amount of praise to go around or success to go around. And so even though we can recognize on an intellectual level that it isn't actually true, that there's not a limited amount of, of praise or success to dole out, emotionally we operate as though it is. That there is this scarcity of some of these needs that we all have. And there is, again, science behind this idea. There is research that shows that this competitive culture and some of these social comparisons that we tend to make are very intertwined with envy. And making social comparisons, again, while it can be helpful, it can be motivating, it also can contribute to suffering. And the reality is that back in the day, 
there was some survival utility to self-comparison, that self-comparison could help us learn to hunt better, perhaps, or motivate us to improve ourselves in certain ways. But that's not necessarily the case anymore. And so even though our brains are designed to do this and have carried over some of that evolutionary adaptiveness that once was relevant, we need to work hard to undo this conditioning because social comparison is not as essential to the survival of our physical form as it once was in the past as is the envy that comes from social comparison, while that still can motivate us for behavior, it's not as though our survival depends on it. We need to resist the idea that competition and being better than someone else and proving that we're better than someone else is necessary for our survival. And of course, undoing this conditioning is an extremely tall order and something that happens across time and is much bigger than what we have time to address in this specific episode. But I do want to highlight some key pieces of steps we can take towards undoing this conditioning. And one way in which we can undo this conditioning is by shifting our relationship to envy. So again, rather than treating envy as something that makes us primitive or ugly and that is something to be avoided, treating it as a learning opportunity. And that involves letting envy exist and recognizing how envy shows up for us. And this is a unique process. There may be certain commonalities in terms of how we as individuals experience envy across a variety of situations. And there may be certain differences depending on the unique features of a specific situation or person that activates envy. But at its core, really thinking through What are the kinds of events that tend to prompt envy for me? Do I have certain vulnerabilities or soft spots when it comes to envy? What kinds of specific thoughts do I tend to have when I'm feeling envious? How can reflecting on my thought process flag me to know that I'm experiencing envy? Are there certain sensations in my body that I tend to experience when I am envy? So I'll walk through some examples of each of these. And as I do so, I would love for you to reflect on what feels relevant for you. So coming up close and personal with your envy, so to speak, and how it shows up in your own life. So the kinds of events that tend to prompt envy as we said, can involve things like someone else having something we really want or need, but don't have or can't have because of our life circumstances. Another example is feeling like an outsider, like we're not part of the the in crowd or a, a group that is very well regarded or popular. Another example is being around someone who appears to have everything. Their life appears perfect, even though we recognize that no one's life is from the outside. Something can look very perfect, which we can envy. Being alone when other people are having fun or not having certain relationships in our lives that we see other people having. Envy can also come when someone else gets credit for something that we've done or someone else takes credit for something that they've done and then gets praised for it. 
and feeling like that was our idea or maybe it truly was our idea and it was taken from us. Another example could be being around other people who we feel have more than we do or we are competing with someone that is more successful than us in an area that is important to us or someone gets positively recognized for something that we also did but we don't get that same type or level of recognition. So those are just some of the example some examples of the kinds of situations that tend to prompt envy in most human beings. Some examples of the kinds of thoughts that can cue us that envy is showing up in our lives are thoughts like I deserve that too. That person has more than me. This is so unfair. I have such a bad lot in life compared to so-and-so. I have bad luck. I got dealt an unfair hand. I'm so unlucky. Why do so many bad things happen to me in my life? This feels kind of relentless. And then thoughts like, I'm inferior, I'm a failure, I'm mediocre, I'm just average. So they can be sort of generic thoughts like the ones I just described or they can be tied to a specific situation or a specific person. But essentially this theme of fairness, deserving, luck, inferiority, failure, mediocrity, those are all themes that can show up in our thought process. There can also be a lot of comparison. And so when we notice that comparing mind, we're comparing ourselves to other people, we're looking at characteristics and others that we wish we had, we're feeling underappreciated. Again, comparing mind, signs of appreciation or lack thereof, those are other themes that can crop up in our thought processes related to envy. And then in terms of bodily sensations that can show up in response to envy, again, this is very variable and unique from person to person, but often envy is associated with a tightening of muscles. It may be a tightening in your whole body, a felt sense of your whole body clenching or tightening, or it could be in key muscle groups or one area like the stomach. Often there is tension that happens in the face when we're feeling envious. So our teeth can clamp together, our mouth can tighten, there may be a furrowing of the brow or a grimacing. For some people, envy manifests as more of a hotness. So they feel hot, they feel their heart rate increase, they feel as though their face is flushing. And those things might actually be happening too. So either the felt sense or those kinds of biological shifts as well. Other people experience it as a rigidity in the body, a feeling of brittleness in terms of movement, a lack of fluidity, and also a, a pit in the stomach or butterflies in the stomach or even an, a more of an abdominal pain or cramping. So again, I encourage you to think about your own experience of envy and whether there are certain themes in the kinds of events that tend to prompt envy for you, specific thought patterns that show up for you around envy, and certain bodily sensations. And the reason that this is important is that when we are more aware of how envy manifests for us personally, we can be more attuned to it. We can be more present to it when we are more able to be with it and we are able to be with it without pushing it away, without judging it. 
So I think this process of exploring what this looks like for you in your own life is a really crucial piece. Once you have a sense that envy is present, I think it's important to name it and acknowledge it. I'm feeling envious right now. And to do it in a way without judgment and compassion. Because without acknowledging envy, it can be really hard to allow it to be there. And I think that's the other piece. Once we recognize how envy tends to manifest for us, we are more equipped to then acknowledge it when it does show up without judgment and with compassion, with the recognition that this makes us human. And then that acknowledgement can allow it to be. If we're acknowledging envy showing up with judgment, I shouldn't feel this way, this is so ugly of me, I'm a horrible person, it's really hard to allow envy to be there because we feel like it shouldn't be. Whereas if we're able to take this stance of envy exists in our psyches for a reason, humans experience this, how can I learn from this, there's a softening, there's a welcoming. We might not want it there, but we're able to allow it to be there in a way that involves less resistance and less suffering. And so what does it mean to allow it to be there? Well, I think one element of allowing it to be there means really feeling the pain of it, really acknowledging and allowing the intensity of it. Because again, so often our response to envy involves an attempt to make it go away. And I imagine many of us can relate to this idea that the more we push things away, the stronger they become. And oftentimes the very things that we try to do to manage an emotion often perpetuate it or sustain it. So the way to make envy lessen isn't to push it away or ignore it or deny it. It's to be gut level honest with ourselves about the fact that it's showing up and to let the emotions flow through us. Let the sensations be there. Let the thoughts be there. And that is where the softening comes in. That is where the edges can become less sharp. Another important piece of this exploration of envy, this working with envy, this learning from envy to me involves exploring the urges we have in response to feelings of envy so that we can resist harmful urges and listen to the more helpful ones. So let's start by thinking through what this could look like for harmful urges. So if I'm so envious of someone that I feel really uncomfortable in my body, I'm cringing, I'm tense, I might understandably try to make that envy go away by convincing myself that envy isn't legitimate. I might start judging the other person, I might start criticizing them and downplaying the source of my envy, whether it's appearance or success. So I might start thinking about all the reasons I quote unquote shouldn't be envious. Well, she's only been that successful because she doesn't have as many kids as I do. Or she only looks the way she does because she has good genetics. She doesn't actually need to exercise or eat healthily. She can just eat whatever she wants. So all sorts of judgments and criticisms about the other person that might help me temporarily feel better in the moment or seem like they temporarily help me feel better in the moment, but actually sustain the envy long-term because it's a form of superficially engaging with the envy. My attempt to manage that envy by judging the other person 
bypasses my need to dig deeper and uncover the underlying causes of my envy. So I'm dealing with the symptom rather than the underlying problem. And I'm also keeping the focus outside of myself rather than looking inward to discover what purpose is this envy serving? So I'm really staying at the level of the other person and why I shouldn't be envious of them and cataloging all the reasons that maybe they didn't come by their success honestly or how they have more resources and support than I do rather than reflecting on are there things in my life that could be structured differently to allow me to feel more supported? for example, and also allowing the pain of the envy. It hurts. It hurts that this person has things that I want and don't have yet. So we can also have other kinds of urges. Judgment and criticism aren't the only urges we can have. There can be urges to get even. There can be urges to hurt the people that we envy, urges to hate them, urges to wish that they would lose what they have or that bad luck befalls them or they're hurt in some way, or maybe even urges to celebrate or feel pleasure when they experience failure or loss or embarrassment or make a mistake. And of course, on the flip side, there can also be positive urges in response to envy. As we were saying earlier, envy can motivate us to work harder. So I might have an urge to work harder, to be more strategic, to see if I can get and achieve what that other person has that I don't. I might also work harder or work smarter to get what I want. I might try to improve my situation. I might invest in more personal growth opportunities. So there are also more positive urges as well. And again, these aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. We can experience all different kinds of urges at the same time. So there's room here once we identify these urges to evaluate what are the urges to listen to, to lean into, to follow, and what are the urges to act opposite to, to resist, that if I give into these urges, my life might become more complicated or harder. So let's start with the more unhelpful urges. When I notice certain urges associated with envy, that I feel are important to resist what those urges are compelling me to do, I need to identify what that opposite action, so to speak, is. So for example, if I'm having an urge to get even with someone or hate the other person, I might consider, is there something I can acknowledge that I admire or appreciate about that person? Perhaps I'm not at the stage in my process with envy that I can articulate that to the other person or communicate it to them directly. But is it it something that I can acknowledge within myself? Because being able to acknowledge appreciation or admiration is an example of not giving in to hatred, is not giving in, is an example of not giving in to urges to get even. As another example, when we have urges to hurt people that we envy. Rather, for example, telling other people negative things about them or trying to keep their success at bay in some kind of way. Is there an authentic way 
to help them in their lives? Is there a way that we can move towards them rather than away from them? Another example could be wanting the person to lose what they have or have bad luck. And is there a way we can wish them happiness or success? Again, this doesn't have to be directly. It could be something that we acknowledge internally. And again, if we're not there yet, can we express an intention to ourselves to get there? So rather than inauthentically saying, I wish them happiness, if that's not where you're genuinely at, which is totally okay and understandable, to say to yourself, I hope to get to a place where I can someday wish that person well in a way that's real and authentic. So even the expression of an intention or a wish can be a step toward this kind of resistance of urges that go along with envy. There may be urges to say mean things, like we were saying earlier, judgmental statements or critical statements. And that adage of saying something nice or saying nothing at all, if if you can't get to a place where you're able to genuinely say something nice about the person, can you resist the urges to say some of those words aloud? Is that something you can keep to yourself or write about in a journal that you're struggling with? I think acknowledging that this is a struggle for you and again that you have the intention to work through it can also be a really powerful way of resisting some of those urges. There can also be urges to avoid people who have what we want and one example I have of this is I read a blog recently of someone who was really envious of someone else's trip to Hawaii and this was published several years ago before COVID and how hard it was for her to look at the friend's pictures of Hawaii because they evoked such uncomfortable feelings of envy. So as she worked through her envy through meditation practice and other kinds of practices, she committed to going back to looking at those pictures eventually. So part of her acting opposite to what the urges were compelling her to do was to ultimately look at those pictures. She wasn't able to do it in the beginning, but it was an intention that she was able to set that she could later work toward. And so if you have urges to avoid people who have what you want or to look at their social media accounts or even make eye contact them, eye contact with them when you see them, spending time with them, looking in their eyes, looking at their social media accounts. So again, confronting the things that you are avoiding, understandably so, because of the envy. And a key point here is to also work on doing this all the way. So resisting the urges or listening to the urges, if they're helpful urges to that are inspiring you to make changes in your life is to do it all the way in mind and body and spirit. So I can't say nice things to someone while I'm internally thinking unkind ones. Well, of course I can, but that's not a version of doing this practice all the way. So again, that's where this comes back to really being honest with ourselves about where we are at and what is the small step we can take towards where we'd ultimately like to be so that we can do that with authenticity and fully participate in that practice with mind, body, and spirit. I also can't wish someone well internally 
and then turn around and, and gossip about them. That also is not in alignment with this kind of practice. So we really need to align our thoughts, our words, and our actions, as well as engage in this practice with mind, body, and spirit. So again, we don't need to force kindness and perspective taking before we're ready. We can have a commitment or an intention to not engage with envy in ways that perpetuate envy. And we may need to do some inner work and exploration before taking some of these more behavioral steps. And there are a number of ways in which we can do this inner work. And I want to explore one of them with you today, which is through meditation practice. And of course, there are an infinite number of ways that we can work with envy. I just wanted to share a brief meditation with you that I use in my own life for working through envy and so I'll introduce that in just a minute because I want to highlight the final principle for us to explore today which is related to how to learn from envy, how to listen to what envy is trying to teach us, how to uncover that teaching. So this step I wanted to highlight or this principle that I wanted to highlight is intentionally coming last because I think all of the principles I've highlighted so far are an important part of this last step. So we can't necessarily bypass all of that earlier work and those earlier examples and just skip to this step. It would sort of be like following a recipe and only throwing the spices in at the very end. So all of the ingredients aren't there, but they haven't had the chance to blend together or meld together. So the depth of the flavor isn't quite where it could be. Or as another example, for those of you out there who practice yoga, at the end of yoga practice, we often end with deep rest, which is called Shavasana. And it is thought that it is through the practice of asana, the physical practice of yoga, that we are able to get into a deeper state of shavasana, of rest at the end. But if we just skip over the yoga practice and lie on the ground in our resting pose, we might still get some rest, but it's not as juicy. It's not as nourishing as if we go through the steps beforehand. So, I do think that to get more out of this practice of working with envy, it's important to not just skip to the end. That there is an important part of the practice that is related to the process. It's not just about the outcome. It's just not about knowing the ending of the book. It's about riding the emotional waves of the plot line throughout. And so Although it is tempting to skip to the meditation portion or just engage in this final step, I do really see the value in walking through all of these steps, even if you are very well practiced in working with envy because we are human and there is always room to practice more and to grow. So in addition to engaging in all of the prior steps before this particular principle or particular point, another way in which we can learn from envy or listen to envy is to get really specific. So to really unpack why is this bothering me 
so much, not in a pejorative way, not in a judgmental way, but to really ask ourselves, what about this is so deeply unsettling? How would my life be different if I had what they had? Or how do I think my life would be different? So perhaps I'm envious of someone for their romantic relationship in their life. And I feel like, well, that that is bothering me because I feel like in my life I haven't had as deep of a connection as they have with their partner. And so what does that mean to me? What do I feel like that says about me that I haven't had that experience? And what about me is really craving that? Why does that feel so important to me? How would my life be different? Would I feel more supported? Would I feel more valid? Would I feel more worthwhile? So also not stopping at the first answer and asking ourselves, okay, well, why that? Why that? And so sometimes as we explore these questions, we can really tap into underlying needs in our lives that may be unmet. And this is where the wisdom and beauty of envy, I think, really comes into play. So let's say I'm really envious of another person's success. And when I ask myself how my life would be different if I had their success or what I perceive to be their level of success, I think I'd be happier and more confident, more fulfilled. And so maybe for me, the reason I would feel happier and more confident and more fulfilled is because I think that that kind of success would increase my self-worth. And that self-worth is really low right now. And so that's a need that isn't being met, feeling worthwhile. And what might it take to meet that need? Do I need more affirmation? Is that something that I feel like I need externally? Is that something that I can build within myself? And if so, how can I go about doing that? How can I build my own sense of self-worth and sense of self and self-confidence and self-validity, self-validation that doesn't depend on the affirmation of other people or the narrow definition of success that I may be operating from? Or perhaps I'm envious of their success because they just achieved something that I really want to achieve and have been working really hard at for a long time and I'm just still not there yet. And so there's something that just really irks me about that because it doesn't feel fair. And so what about them having achieved that goal that I haven't yet achieved is so uncomfortable? Is Is it because I have a lack of sense of mastery or accomplishment in my life? And is that a real core value? And if so, that is something that I can lean into. And so how can I feel that sense of mastery and accomplishment? So maybe it's less about the goal per se and achieving the success that they've achieved and more about this underlying un met need of mastery and accomplishment and that sense of mastery and accomplishment. And so how can I go about achieving that and attaining that even in the absence of perhaps achieving that goal quite yet? Is it a matter of persistence? Is there a way that I can enhance my ability to persevere and be resilient and stick with this process even as I'm not attaining my goals at the rate or pace or in the way that I would like? Do I perhaps need more mentorship, some more specific guidance around things that I can 
do differently and or things that I'm doing really well and might want to keep practicing and just need some encouragement around. Do I need a new strategy? Or is my work here to really trust this process and trust myself and trust that I do have the same capacity to actualize and achieve what that other person has even though my process is different and my path might look very different but is no less worthy. Or maybe I'm envious because that person got what they got through unfair means. So their success is really challenging my sense of fairness in the world. And maybe people don't know or don't seem to know that they made that achievement or decision or progress unethically. So if this is bringing up a sense of injustice, perhaps I have a need for fairness or a value of of justice in in my life and perhaps there are lots of things that are exacerbating that in the world more broadly right now and so if that is an unmet need that is underlying what has been activated in my envy can I lean into that can I channel these feelings of unfairness into some kind of advocacy maybe it's self-advocacy is there something that I can fight for in my own life that I believe in is there a way that I can volunteer for an organization or make some kind of donation and so maybe it has actually nothing to do with this person but there is a way that I can live out this value of self-advocacy or justice or fairness more actively in my life Or perhaps is my work here to accept that sometimes people get places in life by hurting others? And how do I work with that? Can I recommit to my own values around success and achievement and ethics? Or is there a way that I can have more open conversations with other people about other, about these kinds of topics in a way that feels in alignment with my values? Is there some mentorship that I can give to a younger person or someone at a different phase in their life or career that would help me channel this need to increase the the fairness and justice in the world, even though there is an ongoing recognition that this is a part of our our lives and our world. I'd like to transition now into a meditation practice that highlights some, though not all, of the principles and strategies we've been focusing on today for working with Envy. So you can choose to listen now and return to this later if you're not in a place to dive in more deeply and of course can come back to this recording at any point in time to practice this meditation again. I invite you to begin by taking a few slow, deep breaths into your belly, eyes gently closed or softly opened, fixated on a point in front of you really feeling the rhythm of your breath, the sensations of your breath as the air flows in and out of your body. And using this breath as an anchor point to keep your focus inward, see if you can call to mind a person or situation in your life right now where you notice envy in some kind of way. And I invite you to picture that person or situation with as much sensory detail as possible. So trying to take in this image with all five of your senses, noticing what you see, the colors, textures, shapes, and their sizes. 
noticing where this situation takes place or what kind of setting you most associate with this person. Is it indoors or outdoors? What's the lighting? The season? What other details are in the environment? Are there any sounds that you hear? Any smells? So calling to mind this person or situation with as much vividness as possible. Like you're a part of a movie plot that's unfolding. And as you picture this person or situation that brings up envy, I invite you to explore how the envy shows up in your body. As you really lean into this feeling of envy, is there a specific place in your body you feel the envy most intensely? Are there certain sensations that accompany it? Any tightness or weakening or shaking? Can you notice your heart rate? The rhythm of your breath? The posture of your body? Even your facial expressions? The tightening of the jaw? Furrowing of the brow? Maybe experiencing your body as a whole as envy flows through. I also invite you to notice what thoughts your mind generates when you think about this person or situation with all of this sensory detail. Are there thoughts like, this is so unfair? Or, well, he's not really that smart anyway. Or, I bet she's really unhappy deep down. And how does your body respond when you become more aware of these thoughts? Are there shifts? Are there changes? And see if you can find a way to let these thoughts and sensations be here without trying to push them away, turn away from them, to really let them be as honestly as they exist. And as you connect to this embodied sensation of envy, this cognitive aspect of envy, I invite you to explore how you would describe as specifically as possible what it is that you envy. What is the true source of the envy or the kernel of the envy that's most sharp, most painful, most intense? So if at first you notice yourself thinking that you're envious of someone's lifestyle or success or appearance, can you narrow that down even further? Is it work-life balance and how they seem to navigate their responsibilities? Or perhaps is it more about financial stability? Is their success about the number of Instagram followers or people who comment on their posts? Or is it more about how connected they seem, how supported they appear to be by community? 
Is it the closeness of their intimate relationship? Or my perception of what that relationship is based on how it looks from the inside? Rather than appearance, is it about the specific shape or weight of their body or certain facial features? So really get close to the envy. See if you can open up to a willingness to honestly confront what it is that someone else has that you want or wish you had. And this isn't something you necessarily even need to share with anyone. See if you can name it in descriptive terms without judgment. So rather than thinking, I'm a horrible person for thinking this, I shouldn't feel that way, this is so stupid, really acknowledging it for what it is. And as you get closer to that more narrow, concrete sense of the nugget to the envy, the part that's most sharp or painful, See if you can take a moment to acknowledge that this hurts. That it's painful to want something that you don't have, that someone else does. And see if you can acknowledge that pain verbally. Could be out loud, could just be an internal statement that you say to yourself. But some kind of explicit acknowledgement of the truth. Like, This is really hard. Or I'm so uncomfortable that I'm this envious. Or I wish I didn't feel this way. And I know that I do. So some kind of statement that feels resonant and authentic to you. That acknowledges the pain that's here. And I invite you to take a moment now to remind yourself that envy is a shared human experience. It's hardwired and evolutionarily adaptive and serves a function and a purpose just like any other human emotion that we experience. And see if you can come up with a statement that acknowledges this truth, like we all experience envy or Envy is a part of being human. Or I'm not alone in feeling envy. Or other people feel pain because of envy too. And see if you can take a moment now to relate to yourself with compassion for the envy that you feel. And to make this act of compassion explicit, see if you can generate some kind of intention or positive desire for yourself related to envy that you can express in this same statement form. So for example, something like, I hope that I can work through this envy. Or, I'll try to learn what the envy is here to teach me. Or may I find some sense of peace 
related to this envy. And see if you can state that intention, that compassionate intention, silently or aloud to yourself. And with this compassionate frame in mind, let's turn our attention now to what there is to learn from this envy, to listen to what wisdom it might be here to teach. So I'll ask a few questions, and as I ask each one, I invite you to let the question wash over you without necessarily striving for an answer. A word or a phrase might come to mind, or maybe even in an image, or maybe nothing at all. But to just let each question marinate without feeling like you need to answer it. Though if an answer does come, that's perfectly welcome too. And I'll pause briefly after each question. What about this other person or situation hurts so much? What about this matters to me so deeply? This gap between what they have and what I don't. How would my life be different if I had what they had? What pain exists in my life because of not having what they have? What human need might I have that is not being met that the envy is speaking to? Am I missing acceptance, appreciation, or a sense of belonging? Am I missing companionship, intimacy, nurturing, or self-respect? Am I missing a sense of stability? Am I lacking in certain physical needs like rest, sexual expression, or safety? Am I missing authenticity, presence, attunement, integrity? Am I missing playfulness, joy, lightheartedness, or humor? Am I missing a sense of peace or inspiration or ease? Am I missing choice, freedom, spontaneity, or space? Am I missing meaning, a sense of purpose or personal growth or self-expression? Clarity 
creativity or an ability to fully engage and celebrate life. What need underlies envy? What need or needs are trying to communicate themselves or trying to be heard through this envy? And even if I don't have these answers now, can I trust that through continued exploration and openness and willingness to be with this envy, that this clarity can and will emerge over time? As we transition out of this practice, I invite you to take a few more deep breaths into your belly And to slowly and gently open your eyes if they're shut when you're ready. I hope that you found that practice helpful. And if so, it is one that you return to time and again as needed. And perhaps even consider some form of journaling or written reflection afterward if that suits you and is helpful. In closing, I want to synthesize the points that we spoke about today in terms of key themes to consider when we are working with envy and learning from its wisdom. The first underscores the importance of recognizing our shared humanity regarding envy, that envy is a part of the human experience and that it does serve an important function and purpose. Also, there are a variety of cultural influences that not only provoke experiences of envy, but perpetuate its existence. In order to respond to envy effectively, it's important for us to get up close and personal with envy, to really understand how envy shows up for us personally in our lives, what envy's unique expression is for us. This includes recognizing the kinds of events that tend to prompt envy, some of our own soft spots and vulnerabilities around envy. It also involves recognizing what specific thought patterns and bodily sensations tend to be associated with envy for us. And we can use all of this information to help us honestly acknowledge envy when it shows up in our lives without judgment and with compassion. Our ability to acknowledge envy and the nuances of how envy is showing up in our lives facilitates our ability to allow envy to be, to really feel the pain and intensity of envy without denying it, without pushing it away, without avoiding it or turning away from it. Once we allow envy to be, it can move through us in a way that allows the envy to soften and to be less dominant in our lives. Allowing envy also gives us the opportunity to explore the kinds of urges we have in response to feelings of envy. And once we have awareness of what those urges are, we can discern which urges are harmful urges that we may want to resist or act in opposition to, and which are the urges that are more helpful and worth leaning into and listening to. 
regardless of whether our work is to act opposite to urges or to lean into them or some kind of hybrid, we need to approach those actions with full mind, body, and spirit, with alignment of thoughts and words and actions. We need to do it all the way. And all of these steps support us in truly listening to what envy is trying to teach us. These steps help us dig deeper to identify the underlying needs that are not being met. The underlying needs that we can work towards meeting in order to more effectively attend to the messages that envy is trying to tell us. Thank you for listening to the science and soul of living well. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, or leave us a review. If you'd like to reach out or connect more, please follow me on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next time.